the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Ah, breaking news. Another celebrity has tested positive for COVID, and it's not a joke. Comedian Chris Rock has tested positive for COVID-19. He is urging others to get vaccinated. He says, you don't want this. Get vaccinated. Uh, He's already been vaccinated, and he's tested positive for COVID. So another breakthrough case, another high-profile person, test positive. I guess you're not allowed to ask, well, what's the point of getting vaccinated if you still get it? The point of getting vaccinated would be, of course, that you don't get as ill if you have been vaccinated. And I don't quarrel with that. I'm sure that's good data. Uh, But I would just love for it to be paired with some acknowledgement of natural immunity, which comes from having COVID and recovering from COVID. But we never see that mentioned. Of course not. Now, One thing that a lot of people were hoping would get a lot of play right around election time. Remember when fans of Donald Trump's re-election bid were putting their hopes on the John Durham investigation, the origins of the Russiagate scandal. We spent all kinds of money and years and years and years of shrill headlines. The walls are closing in uh, and the like. From Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes, many others, Jake Tapper, Chuck Todd, David Muir, you name it, they were all about it. The walls were closing in on Trump. Well, the walls never did close in because the Russia collusion investigation turned out to be the Russia collusion hoax. Now, late last week, we had a second indictment from John Durham. And this second indictment charts a course for where we may be headed. Now, I say may be headed because John Durham cannot indict anyone unless he is allowed to indict someone by Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States. Merrick Garland, of course, is deep allegiance to Joe Biden. The question is, does Merrick Garland have deep allegiance to Hillary Clinton? Because... Hillary Clinton's campaign is appearing more and more and more and more to have its fingerprints all over a phony narrative, a concocted, made-up narrative that Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin were allies. Therefore, if you're wondering, why would Hillary cook up a story like that? So that she could disparage Trump, disparage the Republican attempt to win the White House in 2016, and that she could be voted in herself. Now, I know a fine, upstanding citizen and family like the Clintons seems, 
can't even say it with a straight face, uh, unlikely to concoct, concoct such a scheme. But this second indictment issued late last week got a lot more headlines than the first one. And the first one resulted in a guilty plea uh, from an attorney named Kevin Kleinsmith, of FBI lawyer, who admitted that he falsified an email which helped get the wiretap of Carter Page, which led to all kinds of issues for Donald Trump because Carter Page you know, was all made up. So there's been assumptions, insinuations, and reports that the Clinton campaign financed the Steele dossier, which led to this whole narrative that Trump and Putin were together. Now it's getting, if you're looking at it through Republican lens, it's getting a lot better. The guy indicted late last week is a cybersecurity attorney. His name is Michael Sussman. Michael Sussman is a former partner with a big New York law firm that coincidentally, or not, represented the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's campaign. So, here's how this happened. Michael Sussman goes in to talk to the FBI, the James Comey-led FBI, and he says, hey, I'm a cybersecurity attorney, and just in the course of our normal business, we have discovered cyber communications between the Trump campaign and Vladimir Putin and the Russians. And the James Comey FBI says, wow, that sounds really serious. And so they start investigating it, and Comey goes and he talks to Trump after he's elected, and what Hillary hoped to be a way to undermine Trump's election instead became a way for Hillary to damage Trump as president, show him to be illegitimate, and she had, oh, I don't know, thousands of media allies in this. Thousands of media allies in this. Uh, allow Megyn Kelly to lay out the plan for how this was designed to work. Oh, I don't know why this is not working. It's such a brilliant takedown by Megyn Kelly. Let me try this. Let me try this one more time. One of these days, I'm going to figure out why sometimes uh, this works and sometimes this doesn't. When it's in blue, it works. This is only for my uh, use. When it's in blue, it works. When it is not in blue, it doesn't work. Now it's in blue, it'll work. No idea. No idea what's going on with this. Okay, my bad. My bad. At any rate, what this was designed to do was to have Comey and the FBI investigate Trump, show Trump to be a Russian agent. But ask yourself this. What are the odds? What are the odds that a cybersecurity attorney whose firm works for the Democratic Party and the Clinton campaign would come to the FBI with the, oh, I just happened to accidentally discover communication between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin and not be there because he's doing the bidding of either the Democratic National Committee or the Clinton campaign. I can't believe that a smart guy like this, Michael Sussman, would even think he could get away with this. Of course, why would he think he could get away with it? Because he knows when he goes in and talks to James Comey, or when he talks to one of James, James Comey's lieutenants, he is telling them a story that while they may believe it to be false, they are more than happy to investigate it and to do what? 
to leak it, to leak it to lots of other journalists who will then report on it breathlessly as if it is 100% true. One of the last few independent journalists is Glenn Greenwald. Here's Glenn Greenwald reflecting on this whole sordid mess. That to me is the one of the principal scandals of the Trump years. The Trump era is what happened to American journalism. I've always been a critic of colleagues in the media. I've always had different views about how journalism should be done than a lot of people in kind of the corporate world of, of media companies. But my views of them radically changed as a result of their conduct during primarily the Russiagate scandal when I saw their willingness to, and this isn't an exaggeration, relinquish and sacrifice every precept of journalistic ethics and limitations on what we're supposed to do as reporters in this monomaniacal pursuit to first help Hillary Clinton win and then once she didn't to destroy Donald Trump's presidency. And I saw it from the inside. I saw it from reporting on this story for four years at the to the exclusion of almost every other, that it wasn't just recklessness, that they just weren't careful enough and how they were vetting this information. Anytime the CIA or the FBI or Adam Schiff or other Democrats on the committee, on the House committee or the Senate committee investigating Russiagate, leaked to them information that was incriminating about Donald Trump, they would instantly publish it without caring whether it was true or false. It wasn't that, oh, they looked and they didn't do such a good job. It was they didn't care. They wanted information in their hands, in part because it served their political interests, but in part it also served their pecuniary interests. In 2015, MSNBC and CNN both were on the brink of collapse. Nobody was watching their shows. The New York Times was having serious financial difficulty. Trump in general, but Russiagate in particular, was a huge boon to their to the whole media industry. People, you know, were not just watching cable news at record rates for years because of their fears of Vladimir Putin and his relationship with Donald Trump and this conspiracy theory that he had taken over our country through blackmail, through the Steele dossier and the like. They were buying books and making many, many people rich who were peddling these conspiracy theories. The people who wrote it most. It was great for all of their careers. It was great for the industry, and it also served their political interests of destroying Donald Trump. Yeah. And is he wrong that it was good for ratings? No, because look at the ratings of CNN and MSNBC since Trump left the White House. And the biggest beneficiary of this? Did you see last week where MSNBC wants to re-up Rachel Maddow at more than $30 million a year? $30 million a year. Crazy. Because she is uh, one of the top liars when it comes to Trump and Putin. She played that and played that and played that and played that. And in playing that card, she's profited massively, will continue to profit massively. She's misled. She's lied to the American people. And will there be any consequence for that? No, none. Absolutely zero. So I was stunned on Saturday when I tuned into the Ohio State-Tulsa football game at the number of empty seats in the horseshoe. Aaron, did you see the attendance for the Ohio State game on Saturday? Yeah, I heard it was the lowest since, what, 1971? 
September 11th, 1971. 76,025. The second game after fans could get back into the horseshoe after being banned from attending last year because of COVID. What do you chalk this up to? Are people fed up with Ohio State football? Well, I think two things. I think uh, the team isn't that great. And uh, two, uh, COVID. Okay, so COVID didn't keep them from having a hundred and some thousand there the week before against Oregon. Well, we, that's where the team come, part comes in. <laughs> People are excited uh, before the loss. The loss to Oregon then would be a bigger factor than the COVID factor. Well, yeah, I think I think they're both factoring in. I mean, the first game, you know. Okay, so this out. week they play Akron. Akron not presumed to be very good. I think they've won one of their last like twenty games. They're terrible. The game is at seven thirty p.m. So will the attendance be, now the ticket is a lot cheaper than the Oregon ticket. I think it's $100 cheaper, I think. So will the attendance be back up to more normal, closer to 100000 or closer to 76000 Night games have always been an event in Ohio Stadium. Everybody always loves the night game. It'll be cooler, presumably. Cooler weather's coming in. Yeah. So this week, would you say you'd take closer to 76000 or closer to a hundred thousand? Will they have mm. not? Will they have ninety thousand people or more for a night game for Akron? I don't think ninety or more. No. Wow. Because um, the night games, yes, they're more popular for younger folks, but I think it cancels out some families. Yeah. I do think the weather on Saturday also has some percentage in there. I know people that went and left because they were just getting it's baked. So hot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if. Let's say, let's just use 90,000 as the number. So Under, for yeah, me. For you, yeah. But let's say let's say it gets to 90. That's still 10,000 empty seats. Now, the question is, are they empty, unsold, or are they just empty? Remember, they had tickets for Oregon. It, wasn't it 10,000? They had 10,000 unsold tickets the week of the Oregon game. I don't know the unsold ticket number because they could realize the revenue and people would not come. But they got hammered last year with COVID on revenue because people weren't there. But 10,000 tickets, let's say they're unsold at $100 a ticket. That is $1 million in revenue. That's basically what they're probably paying Akron to come here and get their tails kicked. Uh, Their little kangaroo tails as they are the Zippy the Kangaroo Akron. Uh, But... Yeah, that was a that was a shocking number to me, and it didn't help that they were locked in a seven point game until the fourth quarter. That reinforces your the team's not very good narrative. Yeah, well, the, the the you know when you're when you're rooting for a team that one loss equals basically a season loss, uh, and they lose the first game, well, this maybe is, next year. This is a this is a this is a lesson in consumer economics, right? You can charge. Pretty much whatever you want to charge, as long as the product is unmatched elsewhere, as long as the customer service experience is pleasant and fun. You know, you might put up with a little bit of a wait at a restaurant if you get in and the steak is tremendous. But if you've got to wait an hour for a table and then you go in and the steak is not good or the service is not good, <laughs> you're not coming back, right? 
Oh, yeah, you go into Ohio State Stadium, you're ready for that hot dog, you get it, it's soggy and disappointing. You're ready for a 50-point win. That's what they've been conditioned to expect since Urban Meyer. Right, more like 70 yeah. to 10, yeah. something so along those lines. You go lines. in there and you pay the price you have to pay to be in there, not just for the ticket, but for the $6 pretzel, the $6 water. Maybe it's aggravating getting in. First week it was aggravating getting in with the ticket app and the parking app and all the cashless system they have. This is sustainable as long as you win every game. You have no margin for error. Ryan Day, the coach, has no margin for error. Well, it's inevitable you're going to lose sometime. The expectations are not fair. The expectations are unrealistic, particularly since... You know, you can't keep your players. It's not the NFL. You can't keep them around here forever. So uh, I just think if they lose again, and now you're wondering, I mean, if you struggle to beat Tulsa, you got to wonder about going to Indiana, Penn State at home. Uh, Michigan State beat Miami on Saturday. Michigan State plays here the week before Michigan. you got to play Michigan. Michigan looks good, but I wouldn't believe they actually are good until they play somebody of greater consequence than Northern Illinois or Washington. But I just thought it was interesting that the attendance was whew, way, 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 way down. Uh, you can always tell there's a palpable sense of disappointment in the city when Ohio State loses a football game. Uh, this was interesting. I read this uh, survey about people coping with covid The numbers show that people who have uh, a strong faith were appreciably better at weathering the challenges of COVID, the lockdowns and the pessimism that came with COVID, more so than uh, people who do not have a strong faith. Now, I think that's, to me, that's not a surprising Stat, this was done a uh, survey done by Cornell University. Uh, that, to me, does not seem surprising because the thing you've heard a lot of times about COVID is that you can, if you, if you want a vaccine or you want a mask exception, you can say you have a, a genuine religious exemption, a, re, a genuine religious, religious objection to it. And I've had friends say to me, What should I do? What should I use? What scripture should I use if I want to plead the genuine religious exception? The scripture that I've thrown out is 2 Timothy 1.7, which is God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of self-discipline. I think if you have your eternal destiny settled in your own mind, I'm not talking about whether it's right or wrong, I would argue to my death that it's right, but a lot of you might not share that same faith. But if you believe strongly in your mind that your eternal destiny is settled, you're not as likely to obsess about what's going to happen to you in this temporal life. But if you think this is all there is, or you think that there's some reckoning that you don't quite have buttoned down, then that's where the fear comes from. So this study from Cornell University, I think, bears out what anybody would tell you who has a strong faith, and that is that you gain peace of mind, an ability to cope with stresses that come into your life, not just 
stresses that you may perceive correctly or incorrectly as a threat to your own mortality, but whether it's other instances of upheaval, job loss, relationship loss, things like that. So uh, it's good to know that one of the side benefits besides eternal life uh, is peace of mind and that it is apparently existent. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 